When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You heard you could save big when you bundle home and auto with Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw a link for a survey about which type of bread you are. And now you're on question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ghost of the Night, a hauntings and paranormal podcast. I am Phil Sams. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know that I've been to that I've been investigating the Ross Opera House in Cynthiana, Kentucky. It's a fascinating place. There's a abundance of activity there, and I enjoy being there. Um, it never fails to disappoint. Now, I've been there three times. I've done one episode talking about the very first investigation, and then I did another investigation where I did an episode where that was entitled Evil in the Ghost Box. We got an interesting response on the ghost box, and it was a name, and if you heard that episode, you know the ghost box spit out Satan, which, you know, sparked a an interesting line of questioning that I did from that point forward. Um, and I talked about how when something like that happens, does that change our perception and how we perceive things when activity starts to happen when something like that happens? Does our brain trick us into seeing things that maybe aren't really there? But that's what that episode was about. So I went back for a third investigation and you know, we had a lot of activity, a lot of personal experiences, a lot of knocks and shuffling and footsteps. And we also did a little session in in a place we generally set up, kind of a base site where we set up some equipment, computers and such as a congregating place for the team. So we've never really investigated in that particular room. So we did a little investigation and shit got real. We had a really interesting interaction with what might might have been a spirit. And it did something that I'm going to talk about toward the end of this podcast that kind of threw me for a loop, but it was fascinating. And it's the kind of activity you want when you go on a paranormal investigate, investigation. That is the type of situation that we all dream about and we all look forward to experiencing. So that's what this episode is going to be about. It's kind of a accumulation of all three investigations. I do have some EVPs that I will play for you in this podcast. 
here shortly, but I'm the main topic is going to be personal experiences and how important that is for a paranormal investigator. You can have all the fancy tools and everything you want and fancy scientific equipment, but the personal experiences is what I look for, what stick with me the most. Now, if you can have personal experiences and back it up with some instruments that pick up on some of that and correlate together and prove that personal experience, that makes it even better. But before we get started, don't forget, head on over to philstands.com. That is the official home for the podcast. You'll find all the show notes, the contact us page, where if you have a paranormal story or an encounter you want to share, go ahead, send me a message there. You know, just click on that page, submit it, and I will get an email alert and I will do my best to get back with you. Um, if you want to be on the podcast and share your experience, that's great. If you just want to relay your experience and maybe let me tell it even better, however you want to do it, we are always looking for people to come on the podcast who have had experience or have questions that they can't explain from something that's happened. So reach out that way. Also, while you're there at the site, go ahead and head on over to the Paranormal Merchandise page. That is where we have some t-shirts, some other merchandise. If you like the podcast, show your support by, you know, picking up a t-shirt. We also do have some other paranormal investigator designs and some other little knick-knack designs. If you see something you like, go ahead. We'd appreciate if you pick something up. But we do have several different podcast t-shirts available at this time. So head on over to philsams.com, paranormal merchandise, and uh, see what you like and pick something out. So Let's go ahead and start talking about this podcast and my experiences at the Ross Opera House. Now, like I said, I'll get to some EVPs here in a few, but I want to talk about personal experiences. Now, all three times I was there, we heard knocks, we heard shuffling, which is very interesting. Now, the personal experiences part of it is what I enjoy. That's what I live for. That's why I go on these because, you know, maybe it's just the adrenaline junkie in me, which I'm not, but apparently maybe I am just a little bit. Um, I want to feel that chill and that's, you know, of not knowing what's around the corner or hearing something you can't explain. And this place doesn't disappoint. It gives you that, you know, we, in the very first investigation, we were using some uh, music as a trigger object and we were playing music, and we got a loud bang from behind the stage. Went to investigate it. There is a door to the outside there. Don't think of somebody banging on the door, because we hit the door. It wasn't the same sound. Um, but we don't know what it was. As soon as we heard it, we ran, or I ran, and kind of took a digital recorder, did an EVP session right there. Didn't really get anything at that particular time, but it was interesting. Now, we did hear a few disembodied voices, whereas sometimes you'll be sitting there in the silence, in the dark, and you'll hear with your own ears what might just be, or what sounds like a conversation being had that, you know, you're at a distance and you can't really make out what they're saying. You will hear that from time to time. Now, at one of those junctions, when I heard what I thought was a conversation, you know, 
I thought, okay, it, it is on the main street of the town. So I went, kind of went outside to the front of the main street. You know, it was really late or early in the morning, I should say. And nobody was out there. Was a car going by kind of made that sound from the distance where it might might have been mistaken as a disembodied voice? Maybe. I don't know. But it's interesting. But the point is, you know, when you hear it, you kind of got to go in that direction that you think you're hearing it from and kind of debunk it, try to debunk it, find out if there's a reasonable explanation for it. There is a downside to this place that uh, is kind of interesting. And I, my last inve- investigation there, I went to the projection room. And the projection room has been investigated several times by myself and other paranormal teams. You know, there's some people that believe that there might be a portal in that room or somewhere in right outside the hallway. There's some restrooms right there, somewhere in that general area. Now, the second investigation is where we had the Satan comment on the ghost box, which is right outside the projection room um, in the balcony area. And then there's a hallway. After that ghost box session later on in the evening we were in that hallway we got some interesting noises that hallway felt heavy you felt like there was something there that might have been i don't want to say negative but maybe a little bit darker that was the second investigation the third investigation i did a solo session inside the projection room and from my previous investigation and this investigation i wanted to make a note and kind of explain to people that there's a lot of equipment in the projection room it's pretty much a digital setup now, so there's a lot of electronic equipment in that room. Now, everybody knows what EMF is, and it does have an effect on people. Um, it can make people feel paranoia, you know, feel like they're being watched when nobody's there, but it affects everybody differently, and I wanted to kind of put that to the test, because generally I'm not... I haven't noticed myself being too affected by EMF fields around me to where I felt paranoia or felt like I was being watched or anything to that magnitude. So I wanted to kind of sit there for, I think I sat there on the third investigation for 15, maybe 10, 15 minutes, somewhere in that general neighborhood, you know, and I was making note of, and I was documenting with a camera, you know, showing the equipment, all the gadgets that were on and about seven six or seven minutes into that particular session you know i started to feel like a pressure in my head and kind of a pain going down my neck now some people feel or some sensitives you know they'll when a spirit is close or they're picking up on some spirit they'll start feeling feeling that kind of stuff now was it a spirit that I was picking up on, or was it the EMF that was radiating from all the electronical equipment? I don't know. You know, I'm not going to say either way. I mean, I'm not as sensitive. I don't think. I mean, I do have feelings, and uh, but I just call it my gut. But honestly, I'm kind of leaning toward it was the EMF affecting me at that time because I never had it in any other portion of the building. That was the only time I got that feeling there the whole night. In the first two investigations, I didn't get any of that. Of course, the very first investigation, I didn't stay 
or didn't investigate the projection room. Second investigation, I did spend about five, ten minutes in there, but it was not a solo investigation. There was somebody right there in the doorway with me, or while I was in there, there was somebody in the doorway, and we were kind of doing a quick EVP session. But in that solo session, I did start to feel a little funky. Towards the end of that session, I did hear with my own ears what I thought was a growl or some kind of low rumble type noise. So immediately I, you know, documented on the video. I go out and it sounded like it came from the hallway. Go out there to see if anybody's out there. There were people out on the balcony. I asked them if they went out or they had went in the hallway in any way, shape or form. They replied no. So I immediately started doing a session, you know, EVP session, trying to interact with something. And then I noticed as I stepped, the floor creaked, which kind of created that low rumble that I thought I heard, which I interpreted as a growl. And so I'm thinking maybe at the time, I was thinking, okay, somebody was walking out here, and I just heard from a distance what that sounded like a growl. But it was probably that, you know, floorboard. Now. After sitting back and reviewing the evidence from that session, camera didn't pick it up. I was running a digital recorder. It didn't pick it up either. So was that my brain kind of hearing things that probably wasn't there because of the field that those gadgets and all that equipment was putting off? Probably. I mean, if I'm being completely and total, totally honest, that's probably what it was. Now, okay, let's play this first EVP. Now, like I said earlier, you get a lot of disembodied voices where it sounds like you're hearing a conversation and there is nothing there. Or when you go to investigate, you don't find anybody, no outside contamination that you can find, but you do hear it. Now, this first EVP is pretty much what it is. It sounds like you hear, hear me talking and then you'll hear what it's, Real faint, you'll hear that what sounds like a conversation. So check it out. I have a recorder right here. You can come talk to us. We should be able to hear you. That almost took my breath away. Is this the lady in white? Okay, that. You know, that one's got me baffled. I don't know exactly what that is. Is that, it sounds to me like people talking in the background that you can't make out what they're saying, like from a distance. Is it spirits having a little conversation that the digital recorder picked up on? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a really curious piece of evidence. You know, it's real faint. And maybe it's just my ears and my brain interpreting what I'm thinking is a conversation when it's just maybe some rumble of the some background noise. Now this next piece of ev- or this next EVP is actually it's much more interesting. Now let me just set the scene. We this was our third investigation there, and we really had we were just kind of you know shooting the shit a little bit, talking about plans and what we wanted to do for the investigation and maybe future plans for other investigations. We were just BSing a little bit. So we decided to do a quick EVP session and kind of spark some interaction 
And just so you know, I know I've said this in past episodes, there has been reports of a lady in white that walks down the stairs from the balcony down to the main lobby. There's also been a shadow figure reported walking between the female and male bathrooms there in the back of the auditorium. And we were standing pretty much right in front of the female bathroom and doing this EVP session, which was really cool. And on a side note, if you've watched or heard the episode number three, I believe, where I talked about my first investigation with Ross Opera House, you know that I caught a still photo that what of what appears to be a shadow figure. Now, I've showed this to many people, and they all lean towards that is the shadow person. And it, the way, if you follow me on Twitter at night underscore ghost, you've seen it, or you can find it there. There appears to be a shadow person walking or standing between the two bathrooms. Now, just so you so you know, that was taken in pitch black dark. The only light source came from the camera. There was nobody behind me. It could not have been anybody behind me. Because nobody, if nobody's there and there's no light source behind me, then it's not my shadow and it's not anybody else's shadow. So what is it? Is, is it just anomaly that is a trick of the flash and the camera? I don't think so. I honestly, that piece of evidence, you know, I like. I like that one a lot because it's not over the top. It's real subtle, but there is definitely a darker portion of that photo right there, which has the appearance of a body. So head on over to philsams.com and check it out there, or just follow, check me out on Twitter and you'll see it there. But getting back to the third investigation, when we did that little quick EVP session, just answering um, or asking some questions and trying to get a response. So there's three people there, myself and two other people, one female. And we were all standing within a few feet of each other because if I played the whole recording, you could hear all three of us talking like we were right up next to the digital recorder. So I ask a question and there apparently is a response. Let me go ahead and play that for you now. Trevor, are you the shadow person that I captured and other people have captured walking? All right. What do you think about that? That is really interesting. And I know for a fact, because that was more like a burst session, you know, we did about five minutes of recording and I played it back and boom, there it was. All three of us were standing right there. It wasn't the female Amber, the female who was with us at that on that particular evening, it was not her voice. For an EVP, it sounds like it was closer to the mic. But if it was Amber, it would have been a little bit louder. She was standing pretty much right next to me. I, she wasn't. She didn't say anything. I, you know, we replayed it back pretty much immediately, and she didn't say it. So. What was it? It almost sounds like it was sort of a response. So let me know what you think. Leave us a comment either on Twitter or on Facebook or on at the show note page for this particular podcast. Let me know what you think about that EVP. I mean, that is really good, I think, because that is much clearer than the disembodied voice or disembodied conversation, what appears to be a disembodied conversation on the first one I played for you. And let me know what you think, because that one's that one's good, and I can't explain that one for sure. Now, 
I want to get to the last part of this podcast, the experience that the three of us had on this third investigation in the, what we call the ballroom. It blew my mind, and at the time, it was super freaky. Um, Like I said earlier, we, you know, we've never really investigated there because that was where our base camp was, but it was just three of us there that evening, so I said, you know what, let's go ahead and investigate there because, you know, we've heard some knocks in that general vicinity, vicinity from time to time in prior investigations, so I said, let's just do a quick session in there, see what we get. Um, so we're sitting in there and I'll, I'll be, I'll put a video on YouTube showing, you know, this particular scenario. Um, but I'll try my best to kind of explain it, what happened and set the scene for you. Okay. We were all sitting pretty much in the middle of the room. We're doing, uh, we're still, I'm still doing a little, some experimenting with some of these phone apps just to kind of see how much bullshit they actually are and see if you know you kind of get something every now and then which you don't really i mean you can get some stuff that kind of is similar to what you're talking about but for the most part they're bullshit but we we had one of those going and we're hearing some strange noises some knocks some beat you know some bangs a little bit you know maybe some footsteps in the hallway and you know we're trying to spark you know, some activity and we're talking, we're asking questions and, you know, I'm kind of facing, you know, the other team members, you know, Amber's off to my right a little bit and, you know, pretty much Frankie's right in front of me and Amber says, does those lights just flicker? And I didn't even realize that there was like the old, or not old, I mean the icicle lights you people hang up at Christmas time on, you know, the outside of their house that, you know, a strand, you know, a strand that has hang down lights with, you know, seven, ten lights. They have those on the ceiling, right? There's an opening in the ceiling where there's an old, old balcony upstairs where you could look down into this room. I didn't even know some in the past. You know, I don't, I, this is the first time I ever noticed them, but there was those lights. And she said, did those lights just flicker? I didn't see it. Frankie didn't see it. And we both comment, no, I, we didn't see anything. So we sit there and we continue our conversation. And I'm where she thought she saw them flickering. It was kind of not behind me, but to my right, but out of my line of sight. So she goes, there they go again. And Frankie saw them that time. He said, yeah, they did look like they flickered. And immediately after that, they turn on. And we're hearing noises coming from like a storage room. That's in the corner, basically. Me, those lights come on. We kind of go, whoa. You know, it kind of freaks us out a little bit because you're not expecting the room to get illuminated all of a sudden. So we start asking questions and, you know, was that you who turned the light on and things such as that? And we're kind of, you know, it's freaky. I've had experiences at home where lights have turned on but not really flickered a little bit, then turned on. I mean, it's, it was really freaky how they turned on. Then all of a sudden, they shut off. So that just builds, and, you know, it, we're even more intrigued at this point. So we continue to investigate and talk over what we think could be causing that, you know, trying to just think of ways to debunk it at the time. And Amber asks, can you turn those lights on again? And boom, they turn on immediately. 
that's when shit got real and we were like, whoa, okay, there's some, you know, I've, like I said earlier, I've had lights turn on in my home or in other situations where they, you know, light has turned on, but never could I ever get it to happen again on demand or on command, I should say that, you know, that was cool. And then, you know, we go on a little bit longer and they stayed on for a little bit longer. So at this point we start going to debunk mode. You know, are the lights on a timer? You know, was there a power surge? So we're sitting here thinking of everything, and I say, okay, let's go find out where the lights are plugged in. So we go kind of follow the lights, and we they're in that storage room where we were hearing noises come from or the general directions direction that noise was coming from. So we follow the line, and it's plugged into a surge protector. Now, on a side note, the heater or the fan for the heater, I guess, well, there's some ductwork in the corner of that room, which goes out and blows out hot air or for air for the heat. And you can hear that in the, in the recordings of it, which you'll be able to see on YouTube. So, you know, we're looking at it's plugged into a surge protector that's plugged into an outlet. So we go back, they flicker again, you know, they're coming on again. They go off again. So I'm like, this is driving me freaking nuts at this time. And, you know, was it paranormal? I don't know. I wanted to continue to do some debunking and find out exactly what was causing it. If it was a spirit, great. If it was something natural, I want to get to the bottom of it. So we're sitting there thinking, you know, it could be a power surge. You know, it could be, you know, a short somewhere. It wasn't a timer because we saw where it was plugged in at. There was no timing timer device anywhere on the surge protector or in the outlet. So that that takes that out of the equation. So we're sitting there talking and, you know, I, I, I make a note, you know, I don't think it was a power surge. A, it's got a surge protector. And B, if it was a power surge or a power dimming of some sort, you know, the fan to the heater, which was running because it was cold out, would have kicked off or would have you know, wind down a little bit with the surge or wind up with the surge or if there was a decrease in power or whatever, it would have wind down. So it wasn't a surge of any way, shape, or form because the other lights around the switch probably would have been affected too. It was just this strand of lights. I'm baffled. I'm trying to figure what the hell's going on here. So I go back into the storage room and, you know, I'm kind of doing a little EVP session. Oh, on a side note, I almost forgot. After the lights turned off, turned on and off the first time, I, I had a cam, digital camera or night vision camera on a tripod that I was using to you know shoot some video. I was sitting in on the table. In the, when the lights went off, it was pitch black dark in there, and it fell over as I was setting it down. Or it was setting down for a brief second, and then it fell over. Now, on the video or on the audio of that particular time you hear frank say was that you and my response was i don't know i set it down i thought i had it completely open and i thought it was sitting there what seemed like a decent amount of time but it might only been a fraction of a second with what was going on at the time but it fell over and broke the tripod luckily it didn't break the camera was did i just not get the legs out far enough and it kind of tilted very possible could have been something pushing it over possible but i'm going to lean towards it not being 
some a spirit or a ghost pushing it over. I think it was odd, but I think it was, I probably just didn't get it opened up enough and it probably fell over on its own. But in given the situation and what was going on, it's enough to freak you out a little bit that you think that maybe the spirits are really, really trying to interact with you. It's curious. I don't know. We'll, you know, I'll continue to think about it, but I'm not saying that's paranormal by any stretch of the imagination. So by this point, we were having, Frankie and I was having a conversation about, is that paranormal? You know, he was leaning towards, that is definitely paranormal because we know it's, we're very, very, very sure it's not a power surge. And we know there's no timer. I'm thinking, you know, I'm throwing out, well, it could be a short in the wire somewhere. That's what's causing it, the lights to kind of flicker a little bit. Because the way it looked like to me, it was set up with the power. The way, way it was plugged in, they should have been on the whole time. You would have had to turn the switch on the power surge, power or surge protector, I should say, to actually turn them off. But they weren't on. That's the only time they we ever saw them come on. So, we're you know he's leaning toward the paranormal, and I you know which rightly so I understand, I'm I get it, but I'm I need a little bit more proof and a little bit more. Or I need to be a little bit more sure. I want to. I don't want to leave any room for any doubt because, you know, there's always going to be people say, "Well, there's a reason for this." Yeah, yes. The more you try to debunk, the better your odds of tr- not appeasing those people, but limiting those people. You can never guarantee one hundred percent that everybody's going to believe it's paranormal. There's always going to be somebody, but I want to shade on the side of being a skeptic a little bit before I jump right on in, in the deep end and say, ooh, it's a ghost. No. Okay, maybe it might be. I'm not saying it's not. I just want to make 100% sure, or you never be 100% sure, but I want to make it sure as I possibly can that it can't be explained is a better way for me to say it. So I go back into this room, and it got a little weird. I was doing a session. I grabbed the cord at this time, the lights are off again, but I grab the cord and start shaking. The lights come on. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Shake them again. They go off. I repeat it two or three times. I'm getting, you know, you have to shake it pretty hard to get them to come on. So was that a short? Maybe quite possibly be a short in the line, in the connection. Now it didn't come unplugged or anything. So I don't know. I just know for those lights to turn on, that cord in that scenario, had been moved. Now, question is, what moved it? Was there a critter in there that was swinging from it? Was, you know, I don't know. Was it a spirit or a ghost that was in that room? Which, you know, what makes it really curious is we were hearing things in that room or in that general area of things moving. And, you know, at one point we, we heard what we thought or I should say Amber heard what she thought was a chair move across the, the floor a little bit, but from that general direction. I've heard, I heard footsteps in that general direction earlier in the night, when or about an hour before that, that as I was walking out that room, I heard what I, a loud footstep. I mean, it was a bang, but it sounded like a foot hitting the floor rather sternly. So we were hearing interesting activity with our own ears in that particular room. So that makes it 
so much more interesting in which I'm not going to sit here and say, boom, is 100% paranormal. It was a ghost screwing with us at that time. But what I'm going to say is it's it's paranormal because I can't understand exactly what happened or what caused those lights to flicker. So I actually had to leave. That was later in the investigation, probably about four between. We screwed around with that for about an hour, probably 45 minutes to an hour. That, so that put us right about five o'clock in the morning. I had to leave about six, six thirty because I had to prepare for an interview for the podcast, for a podcast, I should say. And I wanted to prepare for a future interview, make some phone calls. So I had to leave about 6 to 30. Now, they stayed till almost 9, 30, 10 o'clock. They continued to investigate, never happened again. And before I left, I said, you know, we need to get with the owner of the building and find out kind of a backstory on those lights and have they experienced anything like that before. Now, he got Frankie got back with me. He said he talked to the owner. And hasn't hasn't happened before. Nobody's nobody's reported that happening. Um, they shouldn't just flicker on and off like that. They've they don't know. So it is very curious, and I'm super confused on what happened. I want to say it's paranormal. I want to say it's a ghost because that is the easiest in coolest explanation for it, but I'm not going to sit here and say 100% it was a ghost. It was freaking paranormal by every stretch of every imagination possible because I don't know exactly what caused it. I think we're going to go back again and do a fourth investigation there. So naturally, just like the shadow figure that I caught in a still photo, I've tried to debunk that. I'm going to have to uh, see what the deal is with these lights and investigate it further. Let me know what you think about that scenario, because at the time, it freaked the shit out of me. I mean, I was, when you're sitting in the complete and total dark and a light pops on when it shouldn't be popping on, you're, you know, it's hard to keep your composure. I got a little excited. We all got a little excited, you know, which is understandable because your adrenaline starts pumping, but you have to keep that in check and try to be rational and try to figure out what caused it. And I think we did a pretty good job, the best we could at the time. Now we got a little bit more information. When we go back, we'll work on it some more and try to come up with an explanation or try to get the ghost to do it again. I need undeniable proof that there is a spirit interacting with me. I'm not going to immediately jump to a ghost caused the light to flicker or a ghost made that noise. I want to find out what made that noise and hope, hopefully try to rationalize and reason, find a reason for it. And if there isn't, then guess what? It's paranormal. Maybe it was a ghost. Maybe it was a spirit interacting with us or a bleed through between the worlds. I don't know, but that is the beauty of it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to leave a comment what you think. Share it if you think somebody will enjoy this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Support has been outstanding. I appreciate every one of you, especially if you follow me at Twitter. We're getting new followers every day. The downloads on the podcast are going up. Thank you so much if you take the time to listen to this podcast. Now that you take the time to listen, interact with me, reach out, say hi, do what, just let me know what you think. If a certain topic strikes your fancy, 
let me know and maybe I'll cover it. We do have a very good interview planned to do here in the very near future, which hopefully if things work out, it will be next week's episode. It's fascinating. You've probably heard of this um, story. If you're a fan of the paranormal shows, that's about all I'm going to get into at this particular time. I will tell you more about it in coming days on Twitter. So follow me at night underscore ghost. If you kind of want a preview of this podcast and this interview, but you're going to want to stay tuned. It's going to be interesting. That episode might be a little bit longer than usual, or I might even have to break it in two, but it's going to be well worth it. I've talked to the person in a pre-interview, fascinating story, and the backstory of the television show, fascinating. You're going to like it. So, be sure to be on the lookout. Like I said, follow me on Twitter, and you will kind of get a sneak peek, and I will tell you exactly who it is, and exactly when that episode's going to air, most likely. But once again, thank you for listening. Thanks for the follows on Twitter. Be sure to follow us on Facebook as well at Ghost in the Night Podcast. On Instagram at Ghost underscore Night underscore underscore Podcast. And also don't forget to check out the t-shirts for the podcast at philsams.com. So until next week, thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Charge hot and iced coffee from Dunkin' is made with 20% extra caffeine from green coffee extract because we could all use a little extra this year. Whether that's an extra boost, some extra boldness, or the drive to go the extra mile, we're extra ready for whatever comes our way and extra excited to take it on. Let's get it done with a medium extra charged coffee from Dunkin' for $2 with 20% more caffeine and pair it with snackable stuffed bagel minis for an added all-day boost. Order ahead on the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.